Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello to everybody at the supermarket who's wearing your work outfit and not getting the respect it deserves. It's beautiful anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you and you'll get to know Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here, and I know um, some of you guys skipped the long intros and want to get right to the call. I'm not going to lie, I forgot to time it this time. I think it's probably between 8 and 10 minutes, so if you go poke around around then, you can skip the intro. I'm not mad when you skip the intros. I get it. Skip an intro. Every once in a while, you need to skip an intro in your life. Probably 8 to 10 minutes um, to do that. It's the end of the year. I have a lot of things to express about being thankful as well as show plugs. Check out beautifulanonymous.com for Beautiful Anonymous Plus. Skip 10 minutes ahead. Enjoy the phone call. Thanks so much. Happy holiday. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. And this episode is coming out on December 26th, 2023. We've had an incredible year. And I'll tell you what, next week, We'll be putting out our New Year's resolutions episode. Thanks to everybody who called in for that. It was really great this year. In the meantime, we didn't plan a Christmas episode. We've always done the New Year's thing as an annual tradition. And we just so happened to have a priest get through on the line. And we didn't talk much about Christmas. Uh, It might have been mentioned in passing either... Either in the main call, I think in the Beautiful Anonymous Plus, actually... Um, but it felt appropriate. We, we recently had an Episcopalian priest. This is another Episcopalian priest, but it goes in many different directions than the prior one. And again, I just want to say happy holiday to everybody, whether it's Christmas and you celebrate it yesterday, whether it's Hanukkah and you celebrate it this month, whether it's any number of holidays that happen this time of year, because cultures all over the world looked at these months and said, we need something to celebrate and look forward to, and let's build holidays around now. Happy holidays to all of you. And again, I just want to reiterate something I've been saying the past few weeks. Holidays can also stress you out. You may have just seen family. There may have just been drama there. Your house may be trashed because you may have just hosted. The dishes are piled up. You feel overwhelmed, underappreciated. Just take a deep breath. Please, if you are someone feeling that holiday stress, it's so real right now, take a deep breath and remember that it's over. And we're on the other side of it. And we all get to enjoy each other. A couple quick plugs. Beautifulanonymous.com for Beautiful Anonymous Plus. It's a really fun thing. Um, We are still under 500 signups. I've been giving you our numbers. I've been told not to worry about it by the company that hosts us. They're like, it's a little below projections, but it's not embarrassing. But me, I go, no, I want to get going. I want to push it because I think it's really good. And I think you'll like it. And also, you know, what you get every week is five random questions with the caller. Um, 
random number generator picks the questions from a list we came up with in the Facebook community. And it's always really fun. This week, there's about 10 minutes before we even get to that, where the caller throws down with some stuff that is so kind to me that I'm not, I'm not going to spoil it, but I will tell you that I was kind of shaking and in our shared chat document, Andrea told me that she was getting tearing up and it was intense and beautiful. So thank you, caller. And thanks to everybody who has signed up at beautifulanonymous.com. I've got shows coming up um, back on the road in January. I'm doing a show in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on January 11th. All the proceeds for that get donated to the Sync Recovery Community. I've got White Eagle Hall, Jersey City, January 13th. I've got San Francisco Sketch Fest, a bunch of shows on the 26th, 27th. Portland, Oregon on the 28th. Vancouver, Canada on February 15th. And I'll be announcing a very special show in Brooklyn, February 3rd. I'm going to get the ticket link up as soon as I can. We're doing a show that's going to be a benefit for Laughing Together, which is the new nonprofit that I have helped build under the direction of my friends at Wellness Together, laughingtogether.org if you want more info on what I'm up to. And thanks to everybody who's been reaching out. It's been so cool. All right. As mentioned, Episcopalian priest. She's not just an Episcopalian priest. She's a new mom. She's something of an activist. She's a musician. She's someone who curses. And she's really cool. And if I figure it's the Christmas season. Let's get a priest in here. And we'll discuss all the things we discuss. What an incredible year. This is the last one of 2023. Just a moment of sincerity before we get into the call. We never missed a week of putting out episodes. And there were a bunch of people at our old company who were very kind about making sure that I had the time and space to figure out where Beautiful Anonymous was going to land. And I had some people protect me along the way, and I thank them, especially Colin Anderson. Um, but it was scary. It was a scary year for me. I think you've all picked up on it a little bit, but 2022, I had a hernia surgery and then I went and did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and I bombed for a month and I was still physically kind of reeling from this surgery that I thought was going to be much more minor than it was. And then on top of that, I came home and within a couple months, I realized that there were a lot of red flags about Beautiful Anonymous potentially going away. We're now an independent show. Beautiful Anonymous Plus is in existence. We've landed in some pastures where I feel very excited about the show. There's been a number of you who have reached out both online with your comments and also people who have come and seen me at shows who have told me they can hear that I feel loose, that I feel... they. There are people who say, I did not necessarily know that there was a particular weight on your shoulders, but I could feel when it came off. And this year was scary from like August of 2022 until spring of this year. I don't even think my wife realizes she understands that I had a lot of pressure and that I was in over my head and I was feeling those feelings, but I don't, I I don't even think she understands how real it was. And the fact that beautiful anonymous landed on its feet 
And then in May, I started this nonprofit job, which I wasn't sure if I was going to like having anything close to a day job, but it's actually been one of the more gratifying experiences of my working life. I feel very revitalized and I feel like I landed on my feet. And even when I couldn't be public about everything that was going on, I did, I knew implicitly, I was like, beautiful anonymous. I try not to be cocky about anything I do, but it's great. It's great often in spite of me. I don't feel like I'm being cocky saying that the show, I actually still marvel at it. I, I still sometimes wonder why it works. And we're seven years in. Thank you all for supporting the show, helping me get through a very scary year and land in a place where there's actually more energy and excitement in the show itself than there has been in a while. It was a hard year, but it was a great year. And I think talking to this priest who is so cool and open and has a great sense of humor and is curious about every question asked, what a great way to end the year. Thanks so much, everybody. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Is this Chris? Yes, this is Chris speaking. Oh my God. Hi, Chris. Hi, it's so nice to talk to you. It's really great to talk to you. This is really surreal. I know everyone says this, but like, man, I'm, I'm on the show that I listen to all the time. That's really cool. It's awesome. And you, this is also a milestone because you're, there's a thing where if you join at the top tier of Beautiful Anonymous Plus, you get the secret phone number. And you're the first Beautiful Anonymous Plus caller to get through and use that. So congratulations. Well, thank you. I'm a little afraid everyone's going to be mad at me for uh, buying my way to the front, especially because this is the first time I've actually ever called. Listen, we live in a capitalist society where if you can throw a little cash around to cut to the front of the line, I, I think there's people using their disposable income for worse things than getting on okay, that's true. my emo podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, uh, well, how are you doing? Is there still water in your basement? I hope not. Thank you so much for checking in. Um, and again, I do just want to say thank you. Honestly, thank you so much for signing up at beautiful anonymous. Plus the basement and is a, for what it's worth. I didn't yeah. sign up so that I could call. I signed up because I care about it and I'm glad to have finally have a way to support it. But then, you know, this, the thing showed up on my feed that was like, I mean, you could probably get on if you called and I was like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Maybe this is my moment. So I guess it is. And also just to give a little peek beyond the curtain, Andrea told me you were the first caller. Like I said, call sometime between four and four fifteen and you were the first one. And Andrea was like, Yep, we're going with the first one today. So well done. That's that's awesome. The basement is dry. Um here's the sad part is I had started the basement's unfinished and it's it's not a nice enough basement to ever finish. There's not any windows, mm. there's an HVAC down there. But I had just started yeah. putting down like um puzzle mat floor and some wall dividers to build Cal a little play area, like a little clubhouse. Oh no. And we'd moved a bunch of his toys, including a big sack full of every stuffed animal he's ever had since he was a baby. And he'd been building a little comic book collection, coming to the comic book store with me and picking out his own comics. And those all got destroyed and he doesn't realize it yet. 
and it's going to be real sad when oh, he no. he hasn't been down there. At some point, he's going to go, hey, where's my little kitchen place at? And where's all those blocks? And where's all my stuffed animals? And I have to say, they all died in the flood, kid. Yeah, that's that's really actually very devastating. I would like, I have a weird connection to, to stuffed animals, so I would be maybe more devastated than, <laughs> definitely than my baby, because she, she doesn't know anything from anything else right now, but like, I would be so devastated. How old is your baby? Uh, she's eight months old, and she has recently learned how to dance, which is the funniest thing in the world. Wait, you said eight months? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, she's she's so much fun, and she like stands and bobs her little head. She's a terrible dancer, but it's uh, she's very cute. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's <laughs> so cool. Congrats. Thank you. And how are you holding up? Because it's uh, it's still really hard at eight months. It is really hard. But I, I don't, it's okay. She's pretty easy as far as babies go. I think she's my first, but like, I think she's made it pretty easy on us. And then my, my husband is a stay at home dad. Um, so I'm back to work, but he is like the kind of full-time caregiver for her when I'm at work, which is really nice. It's like a real luxury. Um, cause I, he just takes great care of her and they have a really good time. I mean, I'm really jealous. I have to like go to work and kiss them both goodbye and then they get to hang out. It's a, it's a hard, it's a hard job to be a stay at home dad. But, like, I'm jealous when I have to leave them because they get to hang out with each other. And I like them both a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I it, I had – I was the – I was the one – it all just timed out. Like, Hallie and I were both working, and then it just worked out where I was still earning actively when Cal was born. And yeah. And I know that exact feeling of – Especially because when I would travel, it's like, oh, I'm going to an airport and I'm going to be gone for two and a half days and I'm going to come back and you're going to have like, he's going to all of a sudden know like 10 new words and have a different haircut. And it's every day I miss. (laughs) I'm like, oh boy. So I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. But my job is really flexible. So it's also like, I don't know, my, I feel my complaining is a little bit silly uh, because same. I'm I'm like so flexible and I can decide so much of where I work and when I work that like it's a little bit silly for me to complain about it, but I'm still going to. Can I ask what you do that you're so blessed to have that situation? Yeah. Um, so it's funny because uh, another one of me called a couple months ago and there aren't that many of us. I'm an Episcopal priest. We got another Episcopal priest on the line. <laughs> yeah. And actually... Um, I didn't listen to that episode because it came out right after I had my baby. And the first thing that he started talking about was um, a couple who he was helping who had a miscarriage. And oh, I was yeah. just like, nope, nope. It was like one of the only episodes I haven't listened to in the past seven years. And I was just like, can't do this right now. Um, and then never went back to it. So I actually don't know what he said, unfortunately. But hi, other Episcopal priests. And uh, I'm one, too. I think the, I think the Episcopalian priest... I think the Episcopal priest represented well. Uh, the bullet points are that we talked a lot about, you know, there was a lot of talk of my lapsed Catholicism and how Episcopalianism is a pretty popular destination for lapsed Catholics to go if they don't want to totally. go yeah. full atheist. There's, it's kind of It's kind of like, hey, let's take Catholicism and remove a lot of the millennia's, the millennia of drama and just take what's good about it. You know, there's, there's a lot of talk that that's the popular perception and 
great episode and made me feel yeah. good about the Episcopalians. There's two Episcopalian well, churches nice. not far from my house, and I drive past them. And every once in a while, I'm like, I should go. I should go stop and get a little well, bit of Well, if you do, it will feel familiar to you because like the a lot of the liturgy has a, has a similar shape and pattern. I think that's why it's a comfortable place for Catholics to go because, you know, we still care about communion and we still kind of like do the weird old timey fancy things. Um, but like you said, we, since we're, we're like a little bit more agile as a organization because we don't have a Pope and we all the time say, Oh, we used to be wrong about this. We need to do something differently now. Um, and so that makes us like a little bit a better, better able to, I would say, follow the Holy spirit, but you could also just say kind of like, minister to people who actually live in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a good, it's a good faith. I like it. As, you still got the peace be with you, right? Yeah. 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 We still have the peace be with you. Um, we still say like, you know, the Lord be with you. Although we say, and also with you, you guys say like, and with your spirit, right? We changed that. That John Mulaney has a joke about that. Of How can they just change That's that? The Catholic Church changes <laughs> nothing historically. Like they don't let they won't let like they don't change anything to the point where they don't even change their policies surrounding sex abuse when there's like hundreds and thousands yeah. of cases of it. And all of a sudden you're gonna change but everybody's change. favorite part? Everybody's favorite part <laughs> is the and and change everybody's favorite part. Yeah, I mean, that's the part when people know, right? Like, we're going to have Christmas in a couple days, and, like, a lot of people will be there who haven't been there since last Christmas or haven't been in church for years and years, but, like, that's the part that they know. Um, that and, like, the Lord's Prayer is, like, greatest hits. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know uh, this part. You do a little of that, a little Hosanna in the highest. We're good. I'm getting everything <laughs> I need out of this. Getting everything I need about this. Exactly. See the family, go see who's around from the neighborhood, see some of the elderly people, see some of the young families, feel like you're part of a community. Hosanna in the highest, peace be with you, eat the wafer, (laughs) feeling great. Eat a little bread, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, you know what I was thinking about the other day? There are moments like that really, you know, like now I'm like a professional Christian, I do the thing, I wear the collar, um, and like I've been ordained for a couple years, and so it can be a little bit routine, but I, I all the time have these moments that break through the routine and like, you know, like, I don't know, make me like remember why I feel like I was called to do this. And like last week or the week before, um, we sometimes do healing prayer. So, you know, people can come up and while everyone else is praying, people come up and they'll say, you know, like, uh, my dad's in the hospital. He's having this like crazy surgery and we're really worried. And so we'll pray for them and for their dad. And I'll like, I lay my hands on them. And we pray together, and then I put a little oil on their forehead and bless them. Um, and it's really beautiful. And people tell me the craziest stuff. Like, they whisper this to me in confidence, and the whole congregation prays for them. It's beautiful. And, like, last week or the week before, someone came up to there, and I had never seen her before. And I was like, oh, like, what's your name? And she told me. And she said that she had just moved to town, that she didn't know anyone. She had just moved here from, from like, kind of medium far away. And she was in the process of a divorce and she was just really like unmoored. And so she wanted me to, to pray for her to, you know, be able to do her job well and to find her footing and stuff. And I laid my hands on her and I prayed for her and like, that was it. And it was just good, a regular normal prayer. But where else do we have in society that someone can move to a new town, 
and then like walk into a building on a Sunday morning and have a little community, be happy to see them and have someone give them a hug and pray with them and bless them and just like know that they're going to be embraced and loved. And like she could come back and she could never come back. And either way, it doesn't matter um, because she she just like could go to this place in this new town where she doesn't know anyone and kind of get to meet some people. I don't know. It's just like really beautiful. I have some answers and I'm I, these are going to sound yeah. facetious, but but this is it's actually eye opening because I love how you phrased that as like, where else do people get that? And there are a couple places, right? Like it's not only church, but, but I do think that that's a thing that church does well. That is not as I don't know. It's it's a little bit rare. There's a few places that come to mind, and these answers might surprise you, but I, I want to run them past you. And I'm I'm like forty percent joking, sixty percent serious. <laughs> okay. In in places that have underground music scenes, I would argue that the communal experience of attending concerts, especially if the bands. Yeah are local and it's not like you're going to see a headliner. It's more, Oh, Hey, there's a place in my town where I can see a show. Let's go see who's playing tonight. There's a little bit of that there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another one that I would put out there for young people. And I want your opinion on this. And I'm certainly not trying to equate any of these with God, but I would love to hear how you feel like they intersect. I think for a certain type of young person, gaming stores, places where they play magic, the gathering dungeons and dragons, Pokemon. Yeah a similar thing of like, you can show up and just be accepted and you know that you can hang out here. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and yeah. And like, you don't even have, you don't have to be different than you are. And you kind of, especially in places like those, both of those select for interest, right? So like, you know, that you have one thing in common with the people who are there, even if nothing else, you know, like, Oh, we like this band or this type of music, or we've been to this venue before, or we collect these kinds of cards or we like to play this game. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Those are great examples of like little communities that just form every time they meet and then kind of unform. And they're a little bit different every time, I think. And that's part of what's cool about it. Now, see, this is why I love that I've gotten to talk to multiple Episcopalian, um, um, <laughs> priests on the show, because I know I grew up Catholic and if I told all father Marchand from our lady of Lords back in the day, church is kind of like a Pokemon <laughs> tournament. He would have said, I pro- he probably would have said I was worshiping the devil back in the 80s and 90s. But you have to yeah. figure, I would also argue that with, because, you know, not to put any words in your mouth and also Episcopalianism has a reputation for progressivism, but I'm sure there's a wide range of how far that goes church to church, even person yeah. to person in any yeah. congregation. But I would have to think that, you know, you see something like Dungeons and Dragons, which in the eighties was at the heart of satanic panic. And you had ministers from more conservative Christians and Catholic sects. And I say this as someone who grew up Catholic, we're saying like, no, that's satanic. It's satanic. It's satanic. And there has to be, there's a part of me that wonders is something else that's communal and empowering for people threatening in some way. Like, I I wonder if that is Mm. outside of the symbology, which is yes, like you're teaching kids to use spells that summon dragons. And there's obviously (laughs) kids doing black magic within the context of a game. But I have to wonder if there's not a little bit of, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people who are wary of religion in modern times are wary of is that it is a mechanism of control and that it is... Mm -hmm. It is something that says you are not allowed to behave in certain ways, even if those ways lead to self-expression for you or allow mm-hmm. you to, obviously, Episcopalianism, you know, I 
one of the major differences with Catholicism, you have a, you have a spouse and a child. Like you're, yeah, yeah. you're allowed to date who you want. Catholic priests still are not. Mm-hmm. Catholic priests are also all men still. Um, Episcopalianism yep. is known for being far more open, I believe, to the LGBTQ community. A lot of these other denominations, it's about control. It's about stifle that. So I'm not, I'm not shocked to hear that yeah. you would go, oh yeah, a punk show or a Pokemon tournament. Yeah, it's similar to church. I get, I get the correlation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Well, I also, um, I was telling Andrea that I also, I was a rock musician um, for a handful of years before I went to seminary. Um, So I'm also perhaps especially willing to say something like that because, I mean, people are surprised by that. Although I know a bunch of Episcopal priests who were like popular musicians before. Really? Um, Popular in the sense of like not sacred, you know, just like normal music, not like Jesus is my boyfriend. Not, not, Um, not playing Christian rock, like punk rock priests. So you're saying there's a lot of punk rock priests. I'm saying there's like more than you would think. And that actually I use the skills from my days as a musician. Absolutely. Constantly. How so? How so? I need to know. So much. Okay. So, I mean, one of the, the most obvious thing, although I didn't think about this until I was doing it, is just comfort improvising basically on stage, right? Like we wouldn't call it a stage. You call it a dais or whatever in the church, but like all the time, crazy stuff happens when I'm leading worship. When we've got kids carrying candles, when you have children carrying around candles, crazy stuff happens. Um, And so we just, I have to be able to improvise and go with the flow and kind of like control the room. And so I was a front person in a band. I know how to control the room. You were the front person. Um, you're not, you're not a bassist yeah, off I to sang, the side. Oh, I wish. Bassists are so cool. But no, no, I, I played piano and sang. I mean, I play a lot of instruments pretty poorly, but piano is the one I play least poorly. And I like was the songwriter and the front person. And also, anyone who knows any Episcopal, any like I, anyone will be able to identify me if they know who I am already. You know what I mean? Just by what I just said, I think. Wow. Can I, can I ask what genre of music you played? Yeah, so it was like piano rock. Um, and so there were, it was like piano, bass, and drums. And then we also had a lot of electronic elements that we played at the same time. Um, and I'm trying to think of like an example. Like um, if you crashed Fiona Apple into Nine Inch Nails, maybe? So you were the front person in a band that you say is is where Fiona Apple and Nine Inch Nails intersect. <laughs> And now, yeah. and now you are a professional Christian, as you referred to yourself before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, because they pay me to do it, so <laughs> professional professional Christian seems to work. Do it also ma- makes people laugh and disarms them a little bit, which I think is helpful. Do you make more money as a professional Christian than you did as a as a musician? Let's pause right there, because I think we all know that the answer is probably priests. Musicians don't make much money, guys. You'd be shocked. Artists don't make the cash, not like they used to. Anyway, we'll be right back after these ads. Thanks so much to the advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. Do you make more money as a professional Christian than you did as a as a musician? Yeah, yeah, but only uh-huh. because... 
Uh, man, having a band is expensive. Um, and I lived, I lived in Queens and, um, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun and we made money at it. Just, just also cost a lot of money to make the music that we were making. And like, you know, cause we did, we, we did fancy recordings. We had a Kickstarter to raise money to make our album and stuff. And yeah, um, not to mention, I always had to have another job. So whereas like this, at least I get health insurance, although it's really expensive and costs most of my checks, but, um, at least I have health insurance with this. I'll also say this too: a lot of uh, a lot of musicians, and this was actually some friends of mine helped kick this off, calling out all these hidden things people don't know about musicians. Like it's this thing of oh, well, Sp- you know, Spotify doesn't pay us any money. Well, at least you can still go out and tour. Well, Ticketmaster has all these hidden fees. Look, it, you have to be as big as The Cure <laughs> yeah. to get away from the hidden fees. Like only Robert Smith from totally. The Cure has been able to shame them into doing that. <laughs> well, even if you have all those fees, at least you get to sell T-shirts and merch. Well, here, have you ever heard of merch cuts where venues charge you a percentage of what you make on merch because they say they're yeah. renting you the space, even though you don't get a cut of the drinks and food sales from the venue that night? The amount that musicians have to – that get squeezed for is – wild that's what secret thing about me if anybody has seen me in the past couple years i just stopped selling merch and it was a combination of two things Mm. which was one it was just three things one uh after covid like i'm very flattered how many fans want to like hug me and shake hands and it's very sweet but in covid times with an unvaccinated kid it did not feel safe and then two I don't make enough money on merch to justify the nonsense of bringing the merch and dealing with the merch cuts. And three, the idea that I'm going to sell a couple, try to sell some books and records, and then someone's going to take a percentage of that. I'm like, I I just (laughs) honestly rather not do it. I'd rather just talk to people after the show because a lot of the times they're just buying a book just for a chance to catch up and support and say hi. So let's just talk and say hi. Anyway, anyway. Well, and then there's also like we, I mean, I didn't do, I didn't do a lot of touring. We played some, um, we played some music festivals like in New England and we mostly played, um, in Manhattan clubs. And the thing about that is like some of those venues, I just didn't feel like they treated our fans very well. Like I didn't feel good mm-hmm. inviting people to come to these shows. We're like, all right, so we're going to set up, we're going to play for 40 minutes on a stage and you're going to pay a cover charge, like five or 10 bucks which we usually got the whole thing, but then you also have like a two drink minimum and the drinks are 15 bucks each and they suck. And like the band before and after us is like a totally different kind of music and maybe really cool or maybe awful. And, uh, I don't know. There were just, so like there were some places that I really liked playing and there were other places that I was like, yeah, we can't, can't make people come back here. This place was awful. Yeah. I hear you. How, how long ago did you have this career change from musician to clergy? Um, I went to seminary in 2017. Um, so I, I wrapped it up at, t- at some point in 2016, um, did our last recordings and, and played our final show and stuff, which was really hard, but I always knew that I wasn't gonna, like everyone around me, my friends who now are, you know, continue to be professional musicians and tour and like, you would know some of their bands. Um, they were different than me. Like, they, I don't know, they had something in them where they like, needed to keep going in that direction like they needed to be musicians and they needed to be in that world i like really liked it and i'm glad i did it but it wasn't i didn't need to be there and i think if you don't have 
that hunger, I don't know how you could possibly stay in it longer than I did. I did it for probably five or six years. And then there's also the part of me that always knew that I wanted to go to seminary, although I wouldn't have told you that I was trying to be a priest. I would have told you I just was like learning about like early Christian world stuff. So you um, always had and it, it. It was only when I started. Yeah. You always had it in your gut. So you were always religious. Yeah, I grew up in the Episcopal Church, but it's so I mean, I never would have described myself as religious. I still don't really think of myself as religious. Is that weird? Like I obviously <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you're not religious, but you're a professional priest. No. What? I of course I'm religious. Of course I'm religious. <laughs> it's just not an adjective that I would use to describe myself. I don't know. That's like not the first thing that I think about myself, but now it's the first thing that the world thinks about me, right? Like that's what you notice as I walk in a room and it's like, oh look. Well, actually people don't really read me as priest when they see me. Like you know, I wear my clericals, like I wear black with a white collar and like I think I look like a priest, but since I'm a woman, I don't get read as priest. Like my male friends who go to the grocery store or whatever, like can't get through the grocery store in a collar, right? Like people stop them. People want prayers. People want blessings. People tell them their life stories. People don't know what to make of me. So I, I guess there's pluses and minuses with that. I can go to the grocery store in my collar, but I, sometimes people don't know what I am. They can tell I'm wearing something special, but they're like, you know, there's no, there's no women priests. That can't be what that is. Do you believe in God? Of course. Of course. I, I am a very religious person. I just don't think of myself as one. I don't know. That's probably weird. Well, but it, it's true. It is really interesting to think about. How would I say it? Like, And I don't want it to get too political. And I don't want to assume that you and I have any shared political values. But there's, it's almost similar to me in... Um, and I, I wonder what your thoughts are on it because like I remember my wife exp has expressed a few times to me over the years that she really it gets very, very bummed out that the American flag, like if you display the American flag now, that yeah. po politically things have gotten divisive enough that people make assumptions that you prescribe to conservative politics. Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. in the States, it's not just a blue lives matter flag anymore. That if you are someone displaying the American flag, that people mm -hmm. who see you doing so are going to wonder slash assume about the level of conservatism to which you prescribe. And she's, I mean, she's my wife. She makes me look, you know, she's, she's a fierce environmentalist, progressive, like New York artist, like, She's like, it's a bummer. It's a bummer that I grew up with that flag and that represented all of us. And now it feels like that's been taken mm -hmm. away a little bit. And I think there is a similar yeah. thing when you say you're not religious. I do feel like there may be, and I'm, I'm wondering, I'm not presuming, there is a similar feeling, I think, with religion right now that when you say people don't presume I'm religious or I don't necessarily identify as a religious person despite my profession there is a, maybe a similar feeling of that there's some saber rattling versions of religion mm -hmm. that get tied into political stuff that that i have I, I feel like you must have to navigate or think about a little harder than some of us 
Yeah, I, that's definitely true. And I think that's part of why growing up, even though like I went to church, church was really important to me. I like loved God and prayed and did all of the stuff. Um, I still think like the people who identified as religious were the people who were like trying to hurt you with it. And I just, that's like not how I was raised to be religious. I was raised that like, you know, religious means that you, all the things I just said, you pray and faith is part of your life and you go to church or some other worshiping community. Um, but I think also the weird thing about being religious in the way that I am is that I confuse everyone. So like, <laughs> you know, I meet new friends, like my, my husband will be like, Oh, here's this new friend that I have. Um, and they're like afraid of me because they think that I, like you said, like they, it's like, I'm, it's like, I have an American flag, but instead of an American flag, I have like a cross on me and it's like, Oh, well, she's going to hit me with the Bible or tell me that, you know, my sister's going to hell for being gay or whatever it is that they think I'm going to do. Um, and so then I like swear and it confuses them or they swear and they cover their mouth and they look at me in terror. And I'm like, do you want, like, I was a musician in New York city. I was usually the only woman in a room, unfortunately. And just the things that have been said, you cannot offend me. Like, I, I don't know. And I, I understand though, that being a priest makes people think a certain thing about me, but the other religious people on the other side don't think I'm a real Christian. Uh, send me threatening letters and packages and call really? my church and yell at me because we have a pride flag outside. And, and I talk about stuff publicly. I say that gun violence is a problem. People get mad at me about that. Not in my church, but like in town. And when I'm on the news and stuff, people yell at me about it. Um, so you've been on yeah, the news speaking get, about gun if, violence and then you get threatening letters sent to the church? Yeah, yeah. Addressed to me. And I can tell they're addressed to me because um, we don't really use the word pastor in my church. I think some Episcopal churches maybe use pastor, but we more we use like priest or reverend or like that kind of thing. So I can tell if it's addressed to like pastor my name, that it's from someone from the outside. And um, I don't know, some, like this is maybe silly, but sometimes I'm afraid to open those packages. Usually they're just books. That, I think it's you know, silly at if all. I read them would totally reform me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Sometimes I feel sick. like I'm like, I like wince as I'm opening it or like put on a mask just in case it's like anthrax. Uh, it hasn't been anthrax. It's just people yelling at me that I should repent. And no, um, but you have to think about it. You have to think about it when you get yeah. a crazy looking letter, you have to think about it. I have to ask, and I don't want you to say any, if you feel like, ah, that might actually just make it too easy for people to identify me. Um, totally understandable. Mm -hmm. but, so you, You've mentioned pride flag or gun violence, and, and you've actually wound up on the news speaking about it because, um, you know. Most... Yeah, like local news will come. Um, like if we have – we had um, – this is, this is not very identifying, I don't think. Um, after the Uvalde shooting, we had a church service that was just kind of like a public lament that we put together. Um, and we've done some other stuff, but this was just kind of like a last minute, like, we all feel like we need to pray. We're just going to come together. We're not in Texas or anything, but it was just like, we all are upset about this. We're all going to come together and pray. And so we put out a little press release to the like local news and a handful of stations showed up, um, and interviewed me and stayed for the service and videoed it. And there was like, a, you know, three seconds. I mean, there was like three seconds of me on the news that night. And we've done a couple things like that. Um, and then, yeah, people look up my church and send me angry letters or like I published this blog post about reproductive rights that people were really mad about that. Uh, but again, not my parish, my parish, everyone's like, yeah, of course. And we should be speaking, speaking about those things. 
in the world, not like to be politicians, but because Jesus was in the world and God cares about people and we need to stop sucking so bad at caring for other people in our society. So yeah, sometimes people yell at me. It's not, it's not that much, but it is, it's enough that it's noteworthy. I also, it does bring up a question, which is, you know, you're doing your job there and you're bringing your community together and you're expressing your values and allowing your congregation to intersect with them. You're also putting out press releases and that's an intentional thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you feel like part of being in your role is that there is a necessity for some quiet activism as part of it and, and drawing of some lines? Because yeah, that's such a good question. Jesus was in many ways. I mean, you are far more educated on this than I am. There's a lot of people who could look at him and say, he was a political agitator in his day. And you can look obviously at Mm -hmm. Martin Luther King Jr., a reverend and a doctor, and yes, a political agitator. You can see in a lot of the footage that I think a lot of Catholics are raised to be very proud of, civil rights marches where nuns and priests are arm in arm with people in those marches. And honestly, one of the lapsed Catholic parts of me goes, Catholicism has taken this conservative anti- all sorts of anti turn, you know, and some of that really bothers me because some of the stuff I was raised to be most proud of was that imagery of priests and nuns in their habits and their collars marching. Do you feel like there is inherently a need for some fair, but firm activism in, in the position you're in? I think it would be indefensible for me to do nothing. I, I think that, um, well, there's a couple things. Okay, so in the Episcopal Church, as well as in the Catholic Church, before you're a priest, they make you a deacon. And um, they, so you're, and like deacons, if you saw them in the world in the Episcopal Church, they would look like a priest. Like they wear the same thing. They've got reverend in front of their name. Um, but deacons in the Episcopal Church, we talk about the roles. There's a couple different ways to think about it, but like deacon means servant. And so we think about deacons as serving the world, right? Like kind of having one foot in the church, but then oriented out toward the world so that they can bring the problems of the world, like you're saying, and the suffering of the world into the church so that the church doesn't get siloed and then taking the, leading the church back out into the world to like do the work that we're all called to do. And then, so you're a deacon for a little while and then they ordain you a priest. But once you're a priest, you're still also a deacon. And so I think the part of my work that is my deacon work is what you're saying. It's like being a public witness in the world and not just staying inside of our four walls. Um, and then the priest part is, you know, tending to the community of people who is in that four walls. But I don't know, we're like on a main street in a little town. And um, I think something that our church has done wrong is that we don't want to hit people over the head with our religion, right? Like we just want to be able to have our own personal relationships with God and, I don't know, write a check or whatever makes us feel good. And, and that's it. And I think that that's a really impoverished view of what God is calling us to do. I think that being a Christian should be transformative of all of your life, not just like Sunday morning. Um, And so I have been trying to encourage my church to get more involved with like nearby pride organizations and um, I don't know, like doing some liturgy stuff outside so that people who are not in our church can still come pray with us if they want to. And people do, people do want to pray with you. Like people have a hunger, not everyone, obviously, but like, People who are too afraid to come on a Sunday morning or who wouldn't really be interested, I don't know. They're still, they still need prayer. They still care about God. 
And um, how selfish to keep all of that in our building just for ourselves. Now, let me ask you a companion question about your role and your duty. Is, you know, growing up, I always found confession to be one of the creepier aspects of, of it was, it was probably <laughs> the first crack in my Catholicism. I've done confession exactly once in third grade and was like, yeah, no, I'm not going in a booth yeah. and doing that anymore. But I also get old enough and you look back and you realize there were eras of history where that was probably the closest to therapy a lot of people had. Um, yeah, you mentioned, I didn't think about it that way. That's true. There's probably some truth to it. And, and you mentioned earlier in the call, there's people who will whisper to you and ask for prayer and you will lay hands and offer healing prayer, which is therapeutic in some way. And I I wonder what the modern view is for you as far as, you know, we've talked about it as far as activism, but also in some sense, what's your, you know, I, I, I think there used to be real wariness towards mental health treatment. And there were people who said, no, I'll, I'll pray to God instead. I wonder how you see mm-hmm. those things intersecting in the mar- in the modern world. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's really obvious to me that what the last thing that you said is horribly dangerous and leads a lot of people into like much worse mental illness. And I I've lived with depression my whole adult life. Um, and take medication every day. And uh, I think you take Wellbutrin, right? Are you a Wellbutrin buddy? Yeah, I used to, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, And without it, I'm just not functional. And um, so I don't know that... uh, There are probably some churches that would say that taking that shows that I don't have faith in God to heal me, right? But um, I think that all of the doctors that I've seen are doing God's work too. Like God wants us to flourish, not to suffer for the sake of faith or whatever. So when we, when we do healing prayer, I always say it's for like, you know, body or mind or spirit. And, um, but if someone came to me and they, and they were really struggling and they were like, you know, I'm, I'm really depressed, uh, or I'm struggling with alcoholism or, or whatever problem. And they were like, can you pray for me? And that's it. I mean, a, yes, definitely. We'll pray for you. And I think that being connected to God can only help. But B, I'm also going to encourage that person and maybe connect them also with resources to get professional help because I'm not a therapist. Like, I can't actually heal your depression. I can ask God to heal you. Um, but I think God heals in lots of different means and absolutely through the work of, of, like, real professionals who know how to do that. I think that sometimes priests can it well-meaningly overstep and think that we know how to do therapy, but we don't know how to do, we don't know what we're doing. Um, but then confession's like a different thing. So we don't, I always offer confession. Most people don't take me up on it, but I have had, I have done it a couple of times. Um, and we don't do it in a booth. Usually I'm like sitting in my office or in the church, if no one's in the church. Um, and there is this, like the seal of confession. Like if someone confesses something to me, even though I think it's the law that I'd have to report it, um, I wouldn't because, uh, if I'm wearing the stole, I do think that that's the, the stole is a thing that goes, it's like the scarf thing that goes over your shoulders. Um, I think that that see, there is like a seal of confession. Um, and that's like a weird, I, I have, no one has like admitted anything horrific to me yet. Um, but I, I would honor that, which is like a hard ethical thing. 
What a cool life you've lived. Do you ever um do you ever get back together with the old band? Do you ever still rock do you ever still tap into the Fiona Apple uh slash Trent Reznor vibe? Let's pause there. I wonder if it was a little more Fiona Apple or a little more Trent Reznor. Maybe we'll find out after these advertisements. Thanks to the advertisers who help us bring the show to the world. Now let's finish off the phone call. Do you ever still rock? Do you ever still tap into the Fiona Apple uh, slash Trent Reznor vibe? Um, not with my old band, um, but I do, I have a friend that I've been making a new EP with, um, that's more like, I don't know, electro pop. Um, and that's been really fun because I, I didn't really make music the whole time I was in seminary and for the past couple of years. And then a couple of years ago, a friend of mine and I started making this new EP and that's been like super fun because he's also a professional musician. Um, and so we take it very seriously, even though it's just totally for fun, but like it's, I don't know. I think it's pretty good. And it's a, it's a really good outlet. I haven't done it since my baby was born. She's kind of put a cramp in the mm-hmm. music style. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. that's a hobby that I, I want to hold on to for sure. And you may have said, I'm, 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 I'm trying to listen as actively as I can. This electro pop project. How do you, how do you know the person that you're linking up with on that? Oh, he's, he's a friend of mine. We've been friends with for a long time. Uh, we teach at a creative arts camp together in the summers. And uh, teach songwriting, and uh, yeah, so that's that's how. I, and so we've known each other for a long time, and we just started making music together a couple of years ago. There was a part of me that was hoping it was another uh, member of the clergy, that it was maybe you and another uh, priest, or like you and a rabbi, like that. <laughs> that I would say be that, cool. Oh, it'd be so cool if you started a Nine Inch Nails like project. Where you were the front person <laughs> and every member of it was from a different uh, religious faith or denomination, that would be an absolute dream. An absolute dream. Yeah. Maybe maybe that should be a longer term goal because that would be very fun. Whatever and, I can uh, do to help make that happen, please. If there's anybody <laughs> out if somebody reaches out and is like, hey, I'm um I'm a Buddhist monk and I also am a killer drummer. Like, please, please allow me to start networking and trying to put together this uh, <laughs> band that plays non-religious music, but is all is comprised <laughs> all of religious professionals. That would be a dream come true. I'm I'm definitely down for that. I think you have my phone number, so if you yes, if Andrea, anyone reaches out to you, maybe you can Andrea, connect them to me. Andrea, let's please keep our caller on speed dial. Absolutely. <laughs> now, um, were you were you giving Sunday sermons and providing services up through your third trimester? Were you like a? Because I will say, I'd like to think that I'm a pretty chill guy. And you said sometimes you go out and you'll be you'll be wearing the collar, and people just won't be able to compute that you're an actual priest. I do have to say, even me, with the way I think the image of a very pregnant priest in my head, I'm like, whoa, that is trippy, even for me. And I got no yeah. skin in the game. Anymore. I was excited. Right, right. I was excited to be able to be a pregnant priest in the world um, because I do think that there's, there's, I don't know, just, A, for just the fact that it would like totally blow people's minds and B, 
um, for the fact that it subverts the expectations of like, you know, okay, maybe women can be priests, but only to the, to the extent that they're kind of like men in the way that they do it. Um, which is, you know, not true, but I do think that that's kind of the, if people accept female priests, it's like, yeah, but they have to kind of be a certain way. Um, and so I I like the subversion of that expectation. The problem is I was so sick during my pregnancy that I was not able to walk around and flaunt it as much as I wanted to, because I was just slowly dying during the course of the whole, all three trimesters. I am sorry to hear that. That not is, literally. I just was so. I just was so sick. Just morning sickness. Um, so I was preaching. And... Yep, yeah, morning sickness, but all the time, and really bad anemia, and just generally. I don't actually know how I can. I did continue to work uh, right up until they told me I had to stop because then I had preeclampsia and then gave birth a little Oof. bit early. Um, so. But I, yeah, so I was I was like baptizing people and preaching and all that stuff with uh, with my belly all the way up toward the very end. I will say I feel bad because even as you said, people have an image of okay, if you're going to have female priests, they kind of have to emulate what a priest is. Like, and yeah, I will yeah. say, I feel bad saying this, but just to admit my own blind spots and my own biases, when when someone suggests to me female priests, I will say in my head. You do the knee jerk reaction is that you think of somebody who maybe cuts their hair short or dresses mm-hmm. right dresses a little bit um more androgynous, and that is a stereotype that lives yeah. in in my head that I didn't even realize until you pointed that out that I think of oh, a yeah. well, female priest will model their look on a male priest. It's like, oh no, I don't know that there's any mandate that that's how it has to be, but even in my head that's the image that pops in. Yeah. And I think that's in, I think that's like in my mind too, even though I grew up in a church with female priests so that it's not, that's not like a surprising or interesting fact to me. I didn't know that people didn't know that women could be priests until I was, you know, like in middle school. Did you grow up Um, Episcopalian? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the Episcopal church. Um, and I know, I know some people who grew up in the Episcopal church, uh, who grew up in, in churches that like only had one priest and it was a woman, and then they would go somewhere else and see a man performing like the Eucharist or something and be like, are boys allowed to do that? Uh, cause it just, cause they had only ever known female priests, but I, we had it in my church, we had both. Um, but even me, I, I think I, I have that kind of preconceived idea too, especially like I'm the only priest in my church. So I'm the one who like, I'm like the head priest as well as the only one. Um, and I think especially there's an assumption about like priests who are rectors that we're going to be a certain amount of masculine that some of us are, and some of us aren't just like naturally, but we're, I don't know. There's definitely something to that. You're not the only one. How does your parenting intersect with all of these various paths you've walked in life? Like we already, oh, man. So my well, wife was the front uh, person of a band, two bands, the number of bands, yeah, and a performer. Yeah. And Cal is now four and a half and he's starting to ask questions and realize that his, of like, oh, mommy's cool. Like, <laughs> I think he's kind of like daddy used, to, I get the sense that daddy used to be cool and mommy <laughs> is currently cool. Your kid is going to grow up and it's going to be like, hey, so you know me in this one specific role. And then there's also this whole other past. There's, there's a lot of cool stuff to bounce off this kid. I wonder how those things cross over. Yeah, well, what's interesting is 
I I am a very overachievery, very busy person. And I knew from like friends that sometimes when people have a baby, it like changes their orientation to their work or whatever, right? Like they care less about their work and um, they only care about their kid and their family. And I knew that that was a thing, but I never imagined that that might happen to me because I'm so like, I don't know, energetic and like oriented to doing stuff. I'm very doing oriented. And um, it totally happened to me. I don't care about anything. (laughs) The only thing I want to do is hang out with my baby and that's it. And, and it's getting better. I think there's definitely a hormonal thing to this, right? Like I'm breastfeeding. So I'm still, still have a certain amount of hormones that are controlling my brain and my body. But like, I just, I was blindsided by this change in orientation to the world where there are other things that are fine. If I must leave the house, what a great job for me to have. Like it's totally the right profession for me, but I don't want to leave the house. I want to hang out with my baby. Really inconvenient. I've, I feel like this is something I should know and that I am aware has happened. It happens all the time. If like for me, I was not feeling how often I had to travel with acting and stand-up work. And it's like, I've lived this dream, but I don't want to right now. I want to be home with my kids. So I've tried to scale it back and I'm Mm -hmm. working at a nonprofit and people have heard me talk about this and I'm trying to travel less and cool out with my workaholism. If you hit a point where you're like, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like my instinct is telling me I do want to stay home. How does one stop being a priest? Can you just put in two weeks notice? Like, Oh, great question. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good question. Um, so you don't stop being a priest unless you get like defrocked, which would be a very dramatic thing. And you would have had to do something very wrong. Or you would have had to have maybe if you had like a serious break with the faith and you asked to be defrocked, maybe. But um, you're always a priest. So even when I'm in the grocery store or even talking to you, um, I at least believe that like being ordained should should affect my behavior or like my orient. I don't know. I feel like I need to behave with a certain amount of integrity. I try not to like give the people give people the finger when I'm driving anymore. That kind of thing. <laughs> not even if I'm not in my collar, because it just it <laughs> it it feels like it it just doesn't feel as good as it used to. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, I do still swear quite a lot, but like not at people as much. Hopefully not at all. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't stop being a priest. But I could stop working at my church. Um, that's a thing. And I have some friends who are kind of in between parishes, you might say, right now. Um, and they can work in secular jobs. Here's the thing about being a priest, though, that's kind of wild that I didn't really understand until seminary. So we in the Episcopal Church, in the Catholic Church, too, and some other traditions, um, we have bishops. And we, one of our ordination vows, you know, we don't vow to be celibate, obviously, like we can get married if we want, Um, but we do vow to be obedient. We vow obedience to our bishops. Um, And so there are bishops in my diocese who technically, if they told me like, hey, you have to stop working at that church now, or you're going to go work at this other church, which they, they don't really do. But technically, if they did tell me that, I would have to obey and just do it. Um, And... So that's what part of what I say, part of what I mean when I say that I'm always a priest. Even if I got a job selling coffee at the coffee shop around the corner from my house, um, I would need a bishop's, sounds crazy, I would need a bishop's approval to take that job. 
Um, really? And part of, yeah, yeah. And they would give it to me um, if I had like a reason to do all of this. They, I mean, my bishops are great and I trust them and I have a good relationship with them. Um, but if they said, no, you can't work in that coffee shop, I'm actually, I, I wouldn't um, because I vowed obedience to them as part of being part of this church structure. And that's not true for like, if I don't know, if I were in a different denomination, they don't have this. Um, but some of them do. If you have bishops, they they have this obedience thing. Um, so anyway, I would if I could convince my bishop that like, hey, I need to take a break from church work for a little while. I'm going to go be a substitute teacher or uh, a musician or like something. Um, I would technically have to get permission to uh, to hold a secular job like that. And now what would happen like if somebody was really passionate about that coffee shop? And the bishop said, you know what, mm-hmm. we have some objections to that coffee shop. We don't want you working there. And the person went, screw it, I'm working there. What would happen if that priest disobeyed the bishop? Um, I think they'd get they'd get disciplined. There's this whole like disciplinary system. Um it's called Title Four that, you know, it's just a basic bunch of rules within the church that like if I break them, people can um bring me up under title four proceedings. Like you could call up my Bishop and tell him that I did something wrong and they would open an investigation. Um, and so I think I'd probably get reprimanded in some way. They might, they might like restrict my ability. They might tell me I can't preach or act as a priest in any capacity, right? Like you still are a priest, but you can't go celebrate Eucharist on a Sunday morning. You can't preach. Uh, you can't wear a collar in public. Like you can't present yourself as a priest. That's like a really extreme punishment that I know that they've imposed on people who've done really bad things to be clear. Not like, not, I opened a coffee shop. Not like, I, not, I got a sidekick. Uh, like, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and a lot of priests in my diocese, at least a lot of priests have side gigs. Um, cause not all of us work full time cause not all of our churches have full time positions. So I know priests who are, I know one who's a doctor. Um, I know a lot of priests who have second jobs just to kind of make ends meet. Um, and so, but I mean, the main thing is like, I don't think I could go be, I don't know if they have these, but like a secretary at a Satanist church because it's just not consonant with my vocation in the world as a priest. If one of my parishioners wanted to go be a secretary at a <laughs> Satanist church, which again, I don't know if that's a real thing, but like I, that wouldn't bother me at all. That's like totally fine. It's just, if you're a priest and you're going to do that, it's like those things aren't, they don't match. Whereas, like, being a barista, I would say there are ways to be a priestly barista. There are all kinds of ways to be a priestly barista, right? I think like, you could, you could definitely minister to people in that capacity, oh, and I think a lot of priests do. I think bartenders and baristas probably— Bartenders, definitely. —offer people a lot of, a lot of not spiritual healing, but non-clinical emotional healing in a way that exists somewhere on that spectrum. Can I ask you a question that puts you in a tough spot, but since you brought it up? Sure. So you mentioned Satanism and I've talked on the show before. So there's, there's two different, right? There's the satanic church and the church of Satan or the satanic temple, I believe is the one that is largely an activist Mm -hmm. organization, right? That is, Hey, if you're going to put up the 10 commandments in a town hall, we're going to insist on having a statue of Baphomet, the God we worship Mm -hmm. at the temple of Satan. (laughs) And, when you read up on it, they very openly say, we're not worshiping the Bible, Satan. We are pointing yeah. out the separation of church and state. And a lot of the members, if not the majority of the members do that. 
I look at the activism that they do, and I look at what you've talked about as far as you sometimes have been on the news. Your church has sent some press releases. You've talked about reproductive rights, things that have gotten letters sent to you to the point where you have to be wary of if it's safe to open the envelope. When you look at an organization like that, that's sort of presenting themselves as a religion purely for activism, but tapping into some stuff that any Christian denomination is going to say, as soon as you start putting Satan on a pedestal in any way, whoa, whoa, you know, like (laughs) when you look at what they are doing with religion versus the most conservative aspects of Christianity, which one do you feel like is closer to your values? You don't have to answer that because that's a real shitty question oh, to ask. that's such a good question. It's a mean no, question to ask question. an Episcopalian priest. <laughs> you know, like, the, uh, okay. I mean, there's Christian okay. denominations that will send gay <laughs> parishioners to conversion therapy. Like, that's a thing that's still really happening yeah. in our country. Oh, I, for sure. I get the sense, you know, and- likey them. No, no. I, for so many reasons, one of them is that they that people think that I am them, which is like the worst thing you could think that I am. I'd much rather you think that I'm a Satanist than that I'm like that kind of Christian, because I I don't think that that I think that's easily as far away from the God that I worship as anything else. Um, one thing about like okay, so I don't know that much about Satanists. I just they're like a good example. Uh, because they do style themselves as opposed to the church. Um, but so I don't know that much about them, except I do know what you just said, that like they, they're like, fine, if we're going to have religious freedom, then we need to be religiously free too. And our religious freedom is the opposite of yours. I think that's hilarious. And I think that it's a really effective tactic to make people think through what they say when they say religious freedom, like, most people, when they're fighting for religious freedom, mean that they want their religion to be the religion. Like, they don't actually, they're not actually fighting for religious freedom, a lot of the conservative Christians. Um, they're fighting for their religion to be in the center. Um, and so I think that to the extent that that group is pushing them to be like, okay, if we're going to, if, if you can be free to have your religion, then ours is going to be here too, like with the Ten Commandments thing. Um, I think that's great, and I'm really glad that exists. Uh, and I also, I don't think the 10 commandments should be on the courthouse. That's, that's totally absurd to me. Uh, and I think that the civic religion stuff where like, we're kind of the country pretend like it's not Christian now, but like still really is in a lot of ways. That's not the transformative kind of Christianity that I want people to be part of. Um, that's, that's just, I don't know. Then it gets conflated also with like pledge of allegiance becomes like a religious thing. See, this goes back to what Hallie was saying about the flag, right? Like it's all tied up and weird and just, I don't know what God has to do with any of that. Right. And as a person, I didn't really answer your question. No, I mean, you you were so graceful and I will let you (laughs) off the hook, but to even to hear you say people using People using religious imagery to enact activism and you saying, yeah, there's something intriguing and hilarious and however you phrased it about that. I'm like, first Mm -hmm. of all, first of all, 
you're probably the coolest. You're like a nine inch nails front person priest <laughs> mom. Like this, you're the ultimate, maybe, maybe the ultimate caller to this show ever with all the, all the Venn diagrams <laughs> that cross over. Um, but you know, there's that phrase. I forget who the quote is attributed to, but that phrase of, you know, there is no hate like Christian love. And as someone who grew up yeah. Catholic, that's what a heartbreaking thing to hear that, you know, you just think of it. Like I said, conversion therapy is one of the big ones where I sit there, I go, how terrifying, how terrifying if your culture doesn't allow you to be who you are and love who you want to love to grow up with that fear, to grow up with that shame, to grow up internalizing all that. It's so sad. And to hear you I mean, say, Chris, that's evil. That has nothing to do with God. That's what I'm like. That is evil. That is so far. It is the opposite of God. What like trying to God made these like children or these people that are going into this therapy and then they're trying to change them. That's that has nothing to do with God. And so like neither does does the the Satanist putting in a, a symbol in the courthouse either. But at least they're not like God trying to destroy people's lives so that they'll conform to some external standard that they're making up. No, there's... I, and the other so the thing about the Satanists is like I probably don't believe in the God that they don't believe in either. Oh, that's fascinating. Did I say that right? That's a fascinating thing to drop yeah, with ninety right. seconds left in the call. Oh my God, ninety seconds left, Chris. Wait, I just want to tell you, I love you. You're amazing. Your work is you're like a chaplain to the world. I've been listening to you for Whoa. seven years, including when I was a chaplain in a hospital, and you are a chaplain to the world, and I'm so grateful for what you do, and you're amazing, and I actually can't believe that this is happening still. Like, this still doesn't oh. feel real, and thank you so much for having me, and I just, oh, what a what an unbelievable gift well, in listen, a very busy moment in my life. That is kind, and I take that responsibility. Uh, I don't take it lightly. And I also just have to say, I was a little worried at first when I was like, oh, we just had an Episcopalian priest. And then instead. I know, I know. There's oh, too many for of you us to be like, call. no, I used to be a musician and I lived in New York City and now I'm a mom. And now here's how that crosses over. And here's how all these positions of faith cross over with the ways that we raise people and how it ties into activism and where you take stands and how that crosses over with with other faiths and it's it's fascinating. You're one of the coolest to hear that you drive around and have to resist giving people the finger, especially when you're in your collar and you still curse. I'm like, this is you're cool. So cool to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. It's what that it means a lot to have you call me cool. So because I think you're really awesome. So thank you so much. Now, I want to make sure uh, we're going to say goodbye to everybody on the free feed. But you as someone who. Again, thank you for subscribing to Beautiful Anonymous Plus at beautifulanonymous.com. Are you down to stay on the line for five questions that and this is the reason I really love that format is we talked about so many things and tied them back into faith because it was this sort of dominant foundation for the conversation, but if you're down to stay on the line a couple more minutes, I'll ask you five questions and we'll just go in any random direction and I have a feeling with you you're going to have a story about almost anything because it seems like you've lived that kind of life. Are you, are you cool to hang out? Yeah, there's so much we didn't get to. That'll be, this will be very fun. <laughs> All right. Well, goodbye to everybody on the free feed. Sign up at beautifulanonymous.com If you want to keep your episodes going. <laughs> 
caller, thank you so much for calling. And guys, if you're not on Beautiful Anonymous Plus, I know that I've been plugging it hard in the early days. Before we even get to the five questions on this one, there's a tear that honestly kind of like left me shaking and almost crying a little bit. And I thank the caller for that kindness. And also I, I, the appreciation of what she says and the responsibility that comes with it. I, uh, it's super motivating and flattering. And thank you. Caller, thank you for being cool and doing what you do and helping other people and standing up for people who need you to stand up for them and being so open to talking with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you to our producer, the High Priestess, Andrea Quinn. Thank you to Shell Shag for our theme song. If you want to know about me, including my upcoming dates in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, San Francisco, California, Jersey City, New Jersey, Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Canada, go to chrisgeth.com. And remember, you can sign up at beautifulanonymous.com for Beautiful Anonymous Plus. And on top of that, remember, if you want to leave a voicemail to let us know that you have a story, we want to hear the story, 973-306-4676. You can follow me at Chris Gethard on Twitter for the plugs. You can join the Facebook group, Beautiful Anonymous, the Facebook community. We, of course, also have our Instagram, Beautiful Anonymous Pod. Those are all the places you can go to see when we're recording. Thanks, everybody. This week on Beautiful Anonymous Plus, here's some of what you'll get from the five questions. Well, I think that, like, God doesn't only work on the people who are in the box in the church on Sunday morning, right? Like, I I think um, that God is working through you personally all the time. And, like, you—something that you are doing really well is that you're always looking for how you can— matter in the world, not for yourself, but to like make it better for, for other people. Like you're always, and you, you have like a curiosity and, and, and there's a way that you can put all of this in a religious lens that like you have in the recent years taken stock of what you're good at and what you're passionate about and where you see pain in the world. And then you've like followed God's call to say like, Hey, go, go do something with that. And I think it's working because you're following God's invitation to just kind of try out new things and new ways of serving the world, like with the ambulance, with your nonprofit and your like, not quite social work, but social work organization stuff. Um, And with like, and with Cal and everything you're doing, I don't know, you're, it's really easy for me to see how you're already, God's working through you already, whether you go into a church or not, but church does have a cool specific kind of community that I think is valuable in people's lives. So I know I'm, now I'm on a soapbox. You still haven't asked me a question. <laughs> listen, yeah. I was just going to say, we got to get to the five questions. Cause uh, okay. Okay. Listen, and I'm going to go ahead and say, this is like, I'm getting weirdly choked up. The Irish Catholic boy in me is unable to emotionally handle what you just said. Thank you for that motivating high praise, but I'm unable to emotionally face what you just said. Okay, well, you can think about it. Don't forget to sign up for Beautiful Anonymous Plus at beautifulanonymous.com.